Sideways, an urban fantasy series written and narrated by Andy Havens. You're listening to book one, Awake. This and the second book, Aware, are available on Amazon as print and ebooks. You can get the Amazon links, learn more about the series, read the development blog, create fan fiction, and read the first book for free at thesideways.com. That's T-H-E-S-I-D-E-W-A-Y-S.com. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the books in any form, I'd really appreciate a share on Facebook or Twitter, or LinkedIn, I suppose, or Instagram, Tumblr, Reddit, Pinterest, Flickr. Chapter 1. Illusion. Apple blossoms. That was the sight and the smell that greeted Kendra White when she woke to the ringing of her alarm on a cool morning in June. It was also the scene that Solomon Monday, the librarian, would associate with Kendra after he entered her mind and scanned her memories of that day. The white flowers filled Kendra's vision as she tried to smack the alarm clock in just the right way to silence it without knocking it off her bedstand. If she knocked it off, odds were good that it would keep ringing as it rolled under the bed. She managed to make it shut up after hitting it just three times. Better than average, she thought, sitting up in bed. It wasn't really summer, not quite. It was late June, sure, but school had only been out for two weeks, and it was still comfortably cool in the city. But the apple tree outside Kendra's window always blossomed light, and so the white petals were the first thing she saw in the morning as she stretched and woke up for real. And because the air was so nice and cool this time of year, her mom let her keep the window open. So she awoke not only to the sight of white blossoms framed in pale yellow curtains, but to their sweet, heavy smell as well. Do other people have that in-between time? she thought that moment between sleep and wakefulness, when light seems solid and heavy, a pressure on your eyes, sure, but on your chest and hands and feet, too. That fuzzy time always seemed to last longer in the summer to her. Kendra cracked her jaw and rolled her head, trying to loosen up the stiffness from yesterday's work. Anybody who thought gardening wasn't hard work hadn't ever done it for real, she thought. Her calluses were coming along nicely, and her knees had begun to toughen up, but her neck always seemed to get the worst of the deal. Well, geez, she thought, shuffling into the bathroom, if it was easy, it wouldn't pay so well, I guess. Bathroom prep in the summer took less than half as long as it did during the school year. Almost no makeup, no real work on the hair except to shampoo it and towel dry. It wasn't long enough in the back for even a little ponytail, and the long bangs she liked did hang down annoyingly while she worked but it was the price she was willing to pay for her personal curtain. Being able to hide behind a thin wall, even one made only of hair, was an advantage she wasn't prepared to give up. 
white t-shirt, overalls, thick white socks. She always remembered what Mr. Vernon had said when he'd offered her the job. No matter how hot it gets, always wear thick white socks. She wasn't sure why they had to be white, but she didn't argue with the guy. He'd been a master gardener for more than thirty years. If he said white socks, then white socks it was. Last year's Keds finished the outfit, and it was downstairs for breakfast. The real estate person that had found this place for her mom had called it a town home. Kendra's friend Shama called it a condo. In Kendra's mind, it was an apartment. It shared walls with another family's place and didn't have a yard all to itself. That made it an apartment. A big apartment, sure, one with three floors and a semi-finished basement, yes, but not a house. We don't need a house, Kendra's mom had told her when they'd moved to the city five years ago for her work. Kendra hadn't cared much about the house itself, but it had meant leaving friends, teams, a school she knew well, all for a strange and crowded place. A place with fewer trees and more funky, unpleasant smells. A place where you couldn't go for a walk at night just because you felt it. A place where her keychain had a small can of mace on it, her book bag contained an air horn alarm, and she and all her friends carried cell phones as much for security as socialization. One of the girls a year ahead of Kendra at school wore a bracelet, a nice bracelet with a tracking chip in it. Her father was some big-deal international banker and connected guy. The rumor was that the daughter of somebody else at his level had been kidnapped, thus the Tiffany GPS. Had it been a school day, Kendra would have probably missed her mom on the way out. Kendra was a morning person and usually had a club of some kind or band practice before school and had to be out and on her way by 7 a.m., her mom wasn't usually up until at least eight. They often missed each other. On the back end of the day, too, Kendra was usually in bed by 10 p.m. or so, and though her mom worked mostly at home, she was often out on errands, doing research, until well after 11 p.m. But in the summer, Kendra slept in, until 7 or 7.30, as Mr. Vernon didn't like her to get to any of his clients' gardens before they were awake or out for the day, so as she jogged downstairs, Kendra heard her mom pulling a chair across the linoleum floor in the breakfast nook to have her morning coffee, said nook being a corner of the kitchen with a card table and two folding chairs. Kendra waved absent-mindedly at her mom as she passed into the kitchen and began poking around the pantry, seeking something that would qualify as what I want for breakfast. Unlike her mom, who had the exact same thing every morning, Kendra liked variety. She was about to really consider some yogurt with granola mixed in when her mom spoke up from behind her copy of the Harvard Business Review. Don't forget, it's Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. The day after Monday. The day before Wednesday, not trash day. Not the day I pick up the dry cleaning on my way home. Not mom's night out with the girls. Not... Oh, crap. Dr. Leone? Right, Tuesday moved by your request during the summer from Friday mornings so that you'd be able to do some long weekend trips with what's-her-name? Tanya. Right, with the cabin upstate, which is fine, but if you miss your appointment, we still pay. I know, I know. All this from behind a magazine. About a year ago, Kendra realized she had almost no eye contact with her mother. Every now and then she'd try to catch some, but it was tough. They spent almost no time together. Twice a year they went out together for dinner so that Mom could find out, What's going on in your life? Even then, Kendra had realized at the most recent of those outings just a few weeks ago, her mom barely looked right at her. Kendra glanced at the digital clock built into the microwave. 
Her appointment with Dr. Leone was for 9 o'clock, which gave her a bit less time than she needed unless she took a cab, and Mom didn't pay for cabs, just for the Metro Pass. A cab would cost Kendra half her day's pay. Screw it, she thought. I can make it on the Metro. She grabbed her backpack from the counter and was about to hit the door when her mom said again from behind the magazine, Don't forget your meds. It wasn't in a calling voice, the same you'd use to call a kid out back to the door. Don't forget your lunch. It was the way one grown-up would talk to another. Don't forget your briefcase. Don't forget your car keys. No emotion, not even any chiding. Just straight-up info. One hand on the door, Kendra paused. She didn't like lying to her mom, but she was about to do it. Again. Thanks for reminding me, she said, and went back to the sink. She took the brown pill bottle off the shelf below the window and shook three pills into her palm. She put them into her mouth, turned on the water, ducked her head under the faucet. The water ran into her mouth and she swallowed it. Water off, face wiped on the back of her hand. Backpack swung up on the left shoulder, right shoulder through the door. Mom never even looked up. Kendra was out the door, down the steps, and all the way to the end of the service alley that ran next to their town home before she spit the slightly soggy capsules back into her hand. By that point, the view to the kitchen was blocked by their bank of mailboxes, a telephone pole, and a large utility van. But she kept the pills in her palm, even though they were a little slimy, until she was four blocks away. Then, as she ducked and wove between the early morning sidewalk traffic, she pretended to trip while walking up over a sewer grating. She went down on one knee just for a second, and as she pushed back up to her feet, she dropped the capsules carefully into the sewer, making sure they fell through the mesh into the darkness below. She fought the urge to wipe her hand on the leg of her overalls until she'd gone another two blocks. Paranoid, she thought. Sure. Crazy? Maybe? Down the narrow stairs that smelled of urine, even in the middle of winter, down into the subway system that always made Kendra think of Minos's labyrinth or the early Christian catacombs. All the mechanical sounds of the subway were so loud that personal communication was impossible, so while it was loud enough to hurt her ears, there was no talk, just the sound of wheels and brakes and steam and scraping metal. She was able to skip the lines of people waiting for tokens and use her metro pass in the quick card lane. She'd put the card on a zip line that attached to one of three carabiners locked on the inside of her backpack. She'd got the carabiners at a six-week backpacking, hiking, and rock climbing camp two summers before. Those things were good for lots of stuff. She ran down the second set of steps, past the newsstand and the guy selling flowers, and just made her train as the doors were shutting. An old man in a long black coat stepped nicely out of her way so that she wouldn't get pinched by the closing doors. Usually the censors gave you a break and left the doors open before you got smushed. Usually. It was nice of the old guy to help out anyway. She smiled at him and he smiled back. And she had her first hallucination of the day. The train rocked forward and back and then forward again as it jostled into gear. You got used to it, the kind of hucka hucka hoo motion, Shama called it. As she shifted to get her feet into a good balancing position, Kendra's hand came to rest on the arm of the old man's coat. This was just as he was smiling back at her, and his face seemed to become somewhat transparent. No, thought Kendra, that's not the right word. I can't see through him. I see other things that shouldn't be there, with him in the middle of them, like curling ram's horns. 
His white collar-length hair seemed to flow from his widow's peak into a pair of beautifully tapering spiraled horns. They almost looked like nautilus shells, she thought. They had that mother-of-pearl rainbow quality. And his glasses, which had seemed like normal, round John Lennon specks, were now attached to his face with dozens of tiny tendrils, like some cybernetic prosthesis. But he was still smiling that nice old guy smile, so Kendra kept smiling back. She nodded a quick thanks for getting out of her way and turned to get a better grip on the handrail. It wasn't the strangest thing she'd ever hallucinated, not by a long shot. She was just surprised it had taken so long to happen this time. She checked her watch, 8.52. She was going to be a little late. Frankly, as long as she was there in time for at least half the session, Mom probably wouldn't complain. The train leaned hard, going around a curve, and she used the motion to mask a quick look at the old guy. Same long black coat, which was a bit weird as it wasn't really cold, only cool, even warm on the subway. Same gray corduroy pants, same white men's dress shirt, unbuttoned at the collar. But yep, big old goat horns still there, still radiating color like neon and rainwater rippling over a pool of gasoline. He was staring out the opposite window, so Kendra got a chance to study the glasses things a bit more carefully. They were cylinders of metal, not glass, pressed or joined into the flesh of his cheeks, and the wires she'd seen briefly before linked the rims of those cylinders to his cheeks. They were like whiskers, maybe, but growing up into the... She looked away as he began to turn his head towards her. The train came to a stop with a screaming squeal. Her station, as soon as she felt the doors open, she backed out without looking at the old guy again. According to Dr. Leone, her hallucinations were somewhat unique in their stability. Many schizoids' visions changed from moment to moment or at least from episode to episode, not Kendra's. If the crossing guard at the posh private school across from the art museum had a glowing nimbus and six arms on Monday, he'd be tricked out the same way forevermore in Kendra's damaged brain. At least I'm consistently crazy, she thought, as she jogged up the steps and into the light and relative quiet of the street. I'd hate to be a raving, disorganized loony. Two blocks over, one block up. This was a slightly better part of town, Smaller buildings, nicer architecture, more landscaping, more brick, less concrete. There were trees and big pots at regular intervals along Dr. Leone Street. Lots of the first-floor window boxes and small front-yard gardens. The black wrought-iron security fences were even kind of artsy-pretty, in a mildly spiky, threatening way. By the time she got to the steps in front of Dr. Leone's building, Kendra was a little winded. She was in good shape from running track last year, but she didn't usually run with a backpack full of 25 pounds of crap. The overalls weren't great for running either. They chafed a bit. Time? 9.05. Not bad. Not bad at all. She decided she could take a minute to catch her breath, so she sat down on the top step, leaned back on her backpack, and began to breathe deeply, enjoying the slight breeze that had found its way between the densely packed buildings. Hallucination number two. Across the street, the plate-glass window of a deli split open along a horizontal line like a giant clam. It even met a wet, sucking sort of sound that Kendra could hear from across the street. Huge billows of deep pink and blue steam came rolling out of this giant glass mouth and into the street. The fog crept down onto the sidewalk. As people walked through it, their passing made whirls and eddies in the colored clouds. The fissure in the window opened wider, and even larger puffs poured out. 
it looks like the techies got out of control at a junior high production of Midsummer Night's Dream, Kendra thought. Nevertheless, as the fog began to creep across the street, she stood, brushed off the seat of her overalls, and turned to ring the buzzer for Dr. Leone's apartment. Without anyone asking who was there, she was buzzed in. Kendra shouldered open the heavy brass door and walked into the small, cool lobby. The pink and blue fog rolled into the street behind her. Dr. Leone's office was also her apartment. It was a regular apartment building where people lived, not an office complex or medical center or whatever. Kendra had been coming to see Dr. Leone for more than three years, always at this address, and so she'd long ago begun to recognize and be recognized by some of the neighbors. Not by name, of course. She didn't know if they knew what kind of doctor Dr. Leone was. Of course, they had to have some idea. She couldn't very well be a brain surgeon or research physician up in her own two-bedroom flat, could she? They probably knew. There was the old lady on the first floor who was always dressed like she was going to church. Very nice, almost formal, dark dresses, a shawl, nice shoes, gloves, the whole bit. She was very sweet and always smiled at Kendra, but didn't say anything. The apartment next to Miss Manners, which was what Kendra called a nice old lady in her head, had at least three tenants in the last few years. The latest was a nervous young man who stammered, Good, 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 good morning to Kendra every time they chanced to meet. No matter how long it took him to get it out, she waited patiently and responded with exactly the same words, albeit without the stammering. Dr. Leone was on the third floor. Kendra always took the stairs, and on the second floor had occasionally passed the apartment of what she assumed was a family, although of indeterminate size. There was almost always at least one child, sometimes two or three, in the hall or on the landing near the stairwell. They all looked related, very blonde and very pale and it seemed to Kendra to be relatively normal children. That is, they were sometimes crying, sometimes laughing, sometimes yelling, sometimes playing. Normal. There was also a younger lady on the second floor, an African-American woman, who had a job that required her to wear very formal, businessy clothes. The few times Kendra had seen her, she'd been wearing sneakers with her suit and talking on her cell phone. But she'd always smiled hello as they'd passed on the stairs. If there were other tenants on the third floor, Kendra had never seen them. For all she knew, Dr. Leone had the entire floor to herself. Patients only saw the front office and the door you knocked on at the top of the stairs. She knocked, heard a muffled, come in, and opened the door. The office wasn't big, but it really didn't need to be, Kendra always thought. It was for talking. You and Dr. Leone. She sits behind the desk, you sit in the chair, and you talk. If Dr. Leone had been a strict Freudian, there'd have been a couch, and maybe the room would have had to have been bigger. As it was, it worked okay. A desk, a chair behind the desk, a chair in front of the desk. Two nondescript, impressionist paintings on the walls, white lace curtains, a shelf for some books, an end table for coffee. But a bing, but a shrink, Kendra thought as she walked in. Swung the door shut, dropped her backpack on the floor, and sat in the comfortable tan leather wing chair. There was no footrest or ottoman or anything, though. When she'd asked about that once, Dr. Leone told her that it wasn't a good idea for patients to get too comfortable. It encouraged mental laziness. Kendra seemed to think that the point of the couch in Dr. Freud's version of the psychiatric world was that it made patients comfortable on purpose so that they'd relax and reveal more truth to the doctor. Oh well, different strokes. 
How are you feeling today? Dr. Leone asked as Kendra sat down. Okay. Dr. Leone looked up from her notepad. No tape recorder for Dr. Leone. She was old school. Kendra had even noticed once that her notes were in what she assumed was shorthand. It wasn't in English, anyway. Can you be more detailed? the doctor asked. She was not that old, Kendra thought, and kind of pretty, dark hair pulled back in a neat ponytail. She sometimes wore glasses, sometimes contacts, usually slacks and a nice silk blouse or sweater. Not really formal, but she always looked nice. Her skin was dark, but not tan dark. If Kendra had to guess, she'd have said Dr. Leon had at least one South American grandparent. She'd been distracted, so Dr. Leon repeated, More details. How are you feeling? Kendra nodded and tried to look out the window. The lace curtains, though thin enough to let in lots of light, didn't let in many details themselves. She could sense the movement of tree branches in the slight breeze. There was some blue peeking in around the edges. Not much more than that. I don't know, she finally replied. I feel okay. Neck's a bit stiff from the gardening. Dr. Leone nodded. I'd like to hear more about your summer job, but I was specifically wondering about your new medication. Are you having fewer problems with side effects? Fewer problems, Kendra thought. What she means is, are you able to take them without becoming a complete zombie? Can you now think in complete sentences? Do you seem to feel everything through a layer of thick wool? Do your friends wonder if you're stoned all the time? Yeah, is what she said out loud. Nowhere near as bad as the old stuff. Uh, it makes me a bit fuzzy around the edges for an hour or two after I take it, but that wears off by like 10 a.m. or so. Dr. Leon nodded. Great. Nothing else? Kendra shrugged. Uh, I've noticed I'm thirstier in the morning. Dr. Leon nodded again. Dry mouth. She made a note on her pad and then paused to reach down into a small refrigerator beneath her desk. She came back up with a bottled water, which she handed to Kendra. Thanks, Kendra said, cracking open the protective seal on the bottle. She realized then that she'd had no breakfast and nothing even to drink. She really was thirsty, even though she hadn't taken her meds. But she'd looked them up on the internet, which means that she knew what the major expected side effects were. Some slight grogginess for a few hours after ingestion. Do not operate heavy machinery type stuff. Some people developed a rash. Kendra didn't want to fake that. About four symptoms down, she'd read dry mouth and looked it up. It wasn't quite the same as thirsty, but she didn't want to get Dr. Leone's radar up by using the precise term for the medical materials. She took a long pull on the cold water and wondered if she could get one to go from Dr. Leone. Probably. She didn't smile much, but she seemed okay. For a shrink. No other side effects, then? Dr. Leone asked. Kendra shrugged. None I've noticed. You might want to ask my mom. I talk with your mother about every other month. Since you've been on this new prescription about three weeks, I'll ask her next time we chat about it. It's a good idea. She may have noticed behavior changes that you wouldn't catch. Fat chance, thought Kendra. Mom might notice if I actually brought somebody home to live with me, or walked around actually on fire, but short of that, not very likely. Dr. Leone seemed to settle down in her chair a bit, getting comfortable, arranging her pad and pen neatly in front of her. I'd like to try something different today, Kendra, she said. I wonder if you've ever heard of the Rorschach test. Kendra nodded. Ink blots. Sure. Sounds like fun. Which, compared to most of her sections with Dr. Leone, wasn't that far from the truth. Kendra had had to see an actual psychiatrist in order to get the high-powered meds that controlled her schizophrenia. You couldn't get those from a psychologist or a social worker. You needed a fresh script every two months. 
Kendra had several friends on drugs for ADHD or similar behavioral disorders, and they got their scripts either from the family docs or, in one case, by mail. Kendra's stuff, though, needed a dyed-in-the-wool shrink, who, besides practicing medicine, also made you talk about your feelings, and how you felt about your feelings, and how you felt about other people's feelings, and what you did about how you felt with your feelings. Kendra could see how this kind of treatment would make sense for an adult. If she'd had 20 or 30 years worth of experiences to screw her up, talking about them couldn't hurt. If she'd been confused and manipulated by a string of bosses, lovers, family members, colleagues, friends, whatever, sure. But her problems went way back. So far back that talking hadn't ever been an option. Anyway, looking at blobs of ink, she thought, comparatively fun. Great responded Dr. Leon, who smiled slightly. She reached into a drawer in her desk and pulled out a stack of thick square cards about ten inches on a side. The blobs must have been facing her because all Kendra could see was a code of some kind on the back of the one nearest her, K40901. I'm going to turn over a card, began Dr. Leon, and show you a shape. I want you to take a look at it for as long as you need to until you see an image of something in the shape. Don't force anything. If, after a while, it really just looks like spilled ink to you, tell me that, and we'll move on to the next one. Okay? Okay, said Kendra. But I do wonder, she thought, how much my mom is paying for this. Dr. Leon flipped the first card over to face Kendra, and it made a slight tap as it connected with the desk. The shape was almost insultingly easy and jumped at her at almost the same instant the card hit the desk. It's a boat, Kendra said. Dr. Leon didn't nod or smile or say anything. She just let that card fall quietly face down the desk, and then she flipped the next one over with the tap. Butterfly. Tap. A parade. Tap. Three cats. Tap. Water lilies. Kendra wondered if it was supposed to be this easy. These weren't vague, strange shapes. They were like specific silhouettes. A little rough around the edges, maybe, but no real imagination necessary. Tap. A pinwheel. Tap. Ballerina. Then they got a bit stranger, or at least harder, more stretched out or scattered. Tap. She paused. A Chinese fan? Dr. Leon paused for a moment. There's no right or wrong answer, Kendra. This is a way for you to express your imagination without some of the usual barriers. Don't try to force a response. Just relax. Take your time and wait until something comes naturally. Tap. Pause. Two dogs chasing each other. Tap. Pause. A pile of laundry next to a wheelbarrow. It went on. Longer than Kendra would have expected. The deck of cards hadn't seemed that thick, and they kept getting weirder and, well, less real. More like a Jackson Pollock painting. More spatters and random blips and blops. She took her time, but it still felt like a test. Maybe that's because they call it a test, she thought. Finally, they got to one where nothing was coming through. It was junk. Visual chaos. Random spatters of black. Kendra sat there staring at it for a while and finally started to shake her head a bit. Take your time, Dr. Leon said softly, patiently. Kendra was about to give up and suddenly she saw it. Maybe the light outside the window shifted slightly or perhaps a cloud had gone over the sun or a branch had moved in the breeze. Maybe that wasn't it. Maybe Dr. Leon had tilted the card forward just a bit. Or maybe Kendra had just leaned back in her chair or simply changed her focus a little. Whatever the reason, the image in the picture was now as starkly clear as those first few had been. 
more so even but the picture wasn't in the ink it was in the spaces between the ink it was like those 3d pictures that you can't see until you stare at them just right but after your eyes get it you can't see it the old way Kendra had even seen a much simpler version of a white space picture years before in an art class it was a black silhouette of two vases but the white spaces in between the black images looked like women's faces if you stared at the black you saw vases stare at the white faces 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 it had seemed funny to her at the time the picture in front of her now though was incredibly complex it was a still life of a table or an altar with candles a box of some sort a wide brimmed cup and a bottle on top flowers and vines grew up the side of the table leaves and petals were strewn around the bottom of the scene again all this detail was in the white space between the black spots and drops of ink it wasn't a hyper-realistic scene certainly it looked like a grainy pen and ink but it was still startling to see in its complexity all the other positive black images she'd seen were simple like shadows in a children's book something must have shown on her face because dr leon was looking at her curiously kendra she asked what do you see honey honey kendra thought she never calls me honey that more than anything made her cautious and caution had only one response in kendra's life lie it looks like an underwater scene kinda she said squinting at the picture and rotating her head a bit dr leone frowned a little she never frowns kendra thought it's inappropriate for the therapist to apply judgment to the patient's response it clouds the process and impedes truthful reporting she'd read lots about psychotherapy over the years what do you mean kinda asked dr leone Kendra shrugged and tried to look bored and disinterested. I don't know. They keep getting messier and messier. The earlier ones were easy. This last few have been just really messy. There's a bit there that looks like an octopus and some stuff that looks like seaweed. So it reminded me a bit of an underwater scene, you know, like a treasure ship or something. Do you see a treasure ship in the scene? No, not really. Just uh, the octopus and the seaweed. Well, like I said, Dr. Leon was back in her standard doctor voice don't force anything if you don't see something just tell me that and if you see a little of something tell me that too but don't make up something just to please me this isn't a test Kendra chuckled what asked dr. Leone then they shouldn't call it a test should they dr. Leone actually grinned you're right a test does imply right and wrong and people do like to please their teachers and test givers I'll see if I can come up with a less loaded name for the activity now she gathered the remainder of the cards together and wrapped them on the desk with a firm clacking noise we've only got a few more and then we're almost done for the hour okay sure let her rip tap the card turned over and kendra had to use every bit of self-control not to let the surprise and horror she felt show on her face seeing the first white space picture must have bent some process in her eye or prejudiced her perception or something because within seconds of seeing the second card the black ink faded into the background and the stark white picture jumped out and forced itself into her mind the negative image showed a man being ripped apart by snakes with huge heads and dripping fangs the patterns of ink hid and revealed the reptilian coils and the long flowing hair of the man as he lay on his back dying ropes of his blood curling out to combine with the bodies of his killers kendra stared at the image carefully keeping her face neutral 
trying to look as if she was unable to see anything there. Finally, after almost half a minute, a haystack? Don't ask me, Kendra. Tell me, and only if that's what you see. Do you see a haystack? Not really. This one just looks random to me. Okay, just a few more. Tap. Women with harpoons trying to bring down the moon. Tap. A man with a bird's head and a hollow chest letting a parade of frogs leap through him. Tap. A boat filled with dismembered hands. Tap. Children dancing around a burning telephone. Each time Kendra sat and stared, bewildered and afraid but showing nothing, she could feel one tiny drop of cold sweat working its way down her neck, over her shoulder, along her spine. She didn't know what they meant, these strange images, each one picked out and reversed negative white, but she knew she didn't want Dr. Leone to know she knew. If she knows that I know that I think it's bad for her to know that I know, then she might know that I know she knows I know, thought Kendra, which made her laugh on the inside a bit, which showed on her face. Dr. Leone's eyebrow went up. Something funny? It's just that I always thought you were supposed to see sexy stuff in these things. The first bunch was all bears and birds and windmills and junk, and now it just looks like spaghetti and confetti and packing foam. Do I have to be 16 or something before you show me the ones with sex in them? Now it was Dr. Leone's turn to laugh. Not much, but a chuckle, nonetheless. Uh, the Rorschach tests, or shall we say activities, are standardized. If people want to see sex, they see sex. Oh, Kendra replied. You sound disappointed, Dr. Leon observed. Kendra shrugged. Maybe a little? Dr. Leon replied, well, we can do them again in a few months, and if you'd like, I can play some bad 70s funk music in the background and turn on a red light while we go over them. Kendra's jaw almost hit her collarbone. What? Dr. Leone asked, eyebrow up again. I can't make a joke once in a while? Kendra shook her head. You can, you just never have. Dr. Leone chuckled a bit. My mentor is, was a very stern man. He didn't believe in any levity during the psychiatric process. But he didn't work with young people either, and he retired many years ago. Back then, where he came from, there was much less humor in the world. And much less pain, too, I think. Maybe we need more humor to deal with the pain. That was as long a statement of her own beliefs as Kendra had heard from Dr. Leone in the three years she'd been coming to see her. It almost made Kendra begin to like her. Almost. Be that as it may, Kendra, the doctor continued. We've got a bit of time left, and I'd like to hear more about your summer job. Oh, sure. What do you want to know? You're working in a garden, is that right? Dr. Leone was taking notes now, no eye contact, standard mode, almost as if they'd never had a little moment of humor. Oh well, Kendra thought, back to the couch. Not just a garden, Kendra answered, a bunch of them. Can you explain? My boss, Mr. Vernon, he's a master gardener. He designs, sets up, and maintains special gardens all over the city. He hired me to help out, do basic maintenance work, weeding, litter, and critter control, stuff like that. Do you like the work? Kendra shrugged. It's outside, which is nice. It's not heavy-duty manual labor. Not like I'm toting sacks of peat moss or fertilizer at a regular nursery or anything. Money's pretty good. So yeah, I, I guess I like it. Once I get used to the schedule and the route, it'll be easier. 
There's a route? Well, you have to check in on 12 gardens at least twice a week. You need a route. Dr. Leone looks surprised. I would guess so. What about watering? Do they need to be watered more often than that in the summer? Kendra couldn't for the life of her figure out what this had to do with her psychological health, but what the heck, at least it wasn't more twisted, scary, negative pictures. There are daily crews for that kind of stuff, she explained. Some of them are on site, some of them are services. It doesn't require any training and can be done by regular lawn jockeys. Dr. Leon nodded. But you have some training, right? Yeah, some. I spent two summers working in a greenhouse. Specialty flowers and plants, some bonsai. Lots of very specific care and treatment. Mr. Vernon's clients have some very rare and interesting plants, and they pay him and, I, I guess, me to keep them healthy. So you're like a plant doctor? Kendra grinned. More like a plant nurse. Mr. Vernon's the surgeon. He's actually got clients all over the country. No way he can visit them all often enough to keep an eye on things. So he's got a few people like me in every city, I guess. I mean, he never said that, but I assume so. Sounds like a nice guy, Dr. Leone said, not looking up from her pad. Kendra shrugged. I wouldn't know. That made the doctor look up. Why not? I never met him, Kendra replied. My mom works with his wife. When mom heard from Mrs. Vernon that her husband was a famous gardener, she mentioned I'd worked in a greenhouse last year and the year before. So a few months ago, Mrs. Vernon said that maybe there'd be a summer job for me in the gardens, and it worked out. Dr. Leon scowled a bit. If you've never met him, how do you know what to do? He sends me a list of addresses and a bunch of files by email. Each file contains a list of plants and flowers and what needs to be done, what kinds of things I need to look out for. I have to file a report on his website every week with a bunch of data and anything I notice that needs work. For emergencies, I have his phone number, but I haven't had to use it yet. Dr. Leone looked a bit puzzled. Let me get this straight. You work in dirt, right? Yep. Messing around with plants and flowers, right? Yep. And then you go home and track all this on your computer. Technically, I use my computer to track it on his computer over the internet, but that's the gist of it. Yep. Dr. Leone shook her head the intersection of technology and horticulture. Amazing. Kendra shrugged. Mr. Vernon's clients have very beautiful, sometimes very odd gardens. He's a genius in a very specialized industry. He uses a bunch of part-timers to do his field work. That's me. The computer system lets him have like 10 times as many clients as he could without it. I take soil samples, acid levels, all kinds of chemical stuff. I can make some measurements and take pictures with my phone, and those get uploaded automatically. There's an app for that. One time he asked me to snail mail him a clipping, so I did. Again, Dr. Leone shook her head. It's amazing how technology gets into everything. The clock on her desk pinged. It always pinged at ten minutes before the hour. That's our time for today, Kendra, the doctor said. That's what she always said. Kendra nodded, grabbed her backpack, tipped a half-nod, half-wave to Dr. Leone on her way out the door, and ran down the stairs. She was two blocks away before she reached for the second water bottle that she'd forgotten to ask for.